Sounds good. All right, we want to welcome everyone here tonight and those who are jumping on Facebook Live tonight. We're going to continue with mind-brain connection number 161. I introduced last week when we had our fellowship and our carrying dinner, I introduced what I'm going to be sharing tonight. I'm going to add a lot more than what I gave last week. And what we were talking about last week is what is true intimacy? We hear a lot of people talking about intimacy, how we can have intimacy in Him. And I truly believe you can have intimacy in every aspect, every area of our life. But I want to connect it tonight with what we're going to read once we get there in Song of Solomon chapter 4, specifically verse 11 that talks about milk and honey under our tongue. Now, let me just kind of set this up a little bit by saying, Scripture says, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. So, in other words, we can look at cosmology, we can look at marriage in the natural, we can look at the different seasons. There are a lot of things in the natural that we can look at and we can see how that they allegorically paint a picture of that which happens within us. As above, so beneath, as within, so without, and so forth. And what I want to talk about is, you know, in Song of Solomon, a lot of people will read this book in different churches and religious settings on Valentine's Day or, or maybe even at a wedding, and they'll apply it to man and woman in the natural. Now, I'm not saying you can't apply it to that, but it goes so much deeper than that. And what we need to understand is, and this is, you know, what corrupt religion says many times. Now, there's a pure religion James talks about, but then there's a corrupt religion. And corrupt religion has the tendency to say that the body, our physical anatomy, our physical bodies, are not as important as our spirit, or as what they call the soul, which I call the heart awareness. They say one, they divide up. Actually, that's dividing up, that's separating. But you know, I quote the scripture so often around here, 1 Thessalonians, and we had a, a ball with this Thursday evening. I was on with Dr. Bill, who's the founder of World Bible University, and uh, we had a ball with the message that I did on are we human or spirit through and through. How many of you heard that message? I think. If you haven't heard that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. Not only the interview with Dr. Bill Hanshu, but, but also the message that we did here. Because we talked a lot about the body, and we found out that, you know, human means hewed down man. Human means earthy and earthling, and, and we found out that we really aren't humans. We are spirit, soul, and body as one. We are spirit, soul, down to visibility. Our body is just as spirit as our spirit is spirit. Yes, yes. But you see, corrupted religion has divided that up. But 1 Thessalonians 5.23, as you all know in the Amplified, says, we are sanctified. And remember, one of the synonyms for sanctified was deified. Deity, deified. And then he goes on to say, you're sanctified through and through. And then he qualifies it by saying, in spirit and soul and body. Our Father doesn't divide. Spirit doesn't divide spirit, soul, and body. We're the ones that divide all the time. Corrupt religion divides it all the time. So once we see this, then I think we're on our way to experience. 
Not just healing, but, but wholeness and health in spirit and soul and body. Because as I said, the body is very important. Now, what religion, corrupt religion also does is they will push the body aspect into the future. Well, after the so-called rapture, when we fly away to some heavenly glory, then we're going to get a new body. And we can experience health in the body, wholeness in the body. Or after we die, go to the pie in the sky. And I'm not trying to make fun of that, but, you know, that's just where they're at. I was there at one time in my life. Thank God I never did teach it, but I was there at one time in my life. But they'll put it off into the future. And in the Hebrew, do you know, there are no past tenses. There are no future tenses in the Hebrew. It's all right now. It's all in the lovely, it's now, folks. Yeah. Now is the day of salvation. Yeah. Today is the day Amen. for us to experience this. So Amen. if you have your Bibles or devices, whatever you use, if you'll turn to Psalm 19, verses 4 and 5, I want to make some allegorical, um, you know, just kind of give you some allegorical uh, uh, pictures here that we can look at in the natural and see how they play out in the physical, in, in our physical. And I'm mainly going to be talking about the body. The same thing that's true of the body is true of the spirit. Even though religion, corrupt religion, doesn't like that. Same thing that is true in even in our heart awareness. The left side, the feminine principle, is true in our spirit. Why? Simply because we have a virgin consciousness there, a part there in the feminine that has never been touched by man. Yes. And so we, we're spirit through and through. You have the mind of Christ on the right side. You have the virgin consciousness on the left side. Anytime we're tempted, where does the temptation come? It comes to the feminine principle. Yep. Yes. You know, tries to get us to be led by five senses or intellect yes. or human reasoning or logic or, or yep. the appearance of things. Yep. And it'll come and it'll tempt us just like it did Jesus in the feminine principle. And so what do we have to do? We must yield that to the Christ mind. And as we yield to the Christ mind, the two subjectively then become one at that moment. Now here in Psalm 19 verses 4 and 5, we're going to see here that this is speaking about a people that want to experience maturity or want to awaken, want to spiritually awaken. It's not talking about singing songs and lifting up hands, although that's good. That's good. It's not talking about coming to a building every time the doors are open, although that's good. But it's way more than that. It's, it's a subjective experience that we need to experience. How many millions of people walk through the doors of what they call a church building today and, and know nothing about experiencing subjectively the whole man, wholeness in the whole man. So many, so many people have no clue because they're not taught anything about the purpose of God. And you know what I say to that? Why bother? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Why bother? Why expend that much energy to yeah. read the Bible, mm -hmm. to pray in the old school way of praying, to go to services on Wednesday and, and Sunday? Yeah. You know, why bother if right. your heart and your intent, if you're not intentional about experiencing what is read in the services or on your own? So here in Psalm 19, 4 and 5, it says, Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. 
In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Now notice it's not spelled S-O-N there. It's S-U-N, verse 5, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. Now, what he's saying here is that the S-U-N in the heavens, in the sky, literally, is the bridegroom. And what it's talking about here, it's pointing to the fact that during the winter solstice, something takes place. In the spring equinox, something takes place. And in the summer, something takes place. And we've been through this many times. The sun, right now, is beginning to slowly go down to the heart of the earth. And on the 21st of December, that'll be the shortest day of the year, it will be there three days and three nights, just as Jesus was in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And then he was resurrected, and the resurrection then is the sun beginning to come up. And then the ascension is the sun continues upward. And what does it do? It, it comes to Aries, and it swallows Aries. That's the burnt offering. And then it can, and that spring comes, and all the flowers begin to start blooming, and the bugs come out and all that. And then it continues to the right, and summer comes. Well, just as that happens in the natural, above, so beneath, and so within. It happens within us. We go through winter experiences of our yes. life. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, I really, I could really do well living in a, a, a warmer climate. Yes. I don't like winter. I wear long johns all winter long. <laughs> I don't like winter. Now, I like to look out of my window when we have the first snow. It's beautiful. Everything is white and pure and, you know, wonderful looking. But I don't, you know, when the ice comes, hey, forget it. I could go down south for, you know, the rest of the winter. And I might someday. We've been talking about it. But anyhow. I don't care for it that much. Spring, love it. I love yeah. fall, yeah. love spring, yeah. love summer. Mm -hmm. But listen, here's the point. We have winter seasons of our life spiritually. Mm -hmm. yeah. When we, yes, we're always in his presence, but we aren't always consciously in his presence. And that's a winter yeah. season for yeah. us, spiritually speaking. Yeah. We have the spring seasons of our life where things be just begin to happen for yeah. us and revelation yeah. begins yeah. to come and then we have the summer where wow exponentially <laughs> revelation is just being conceived within us and quickened within us yeah. and we're having a high old time yeah. now let me have you turn to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 15 and let's talk about what I just said let's talk about what I just said about especially the winter season of our life in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 15, Matthew 9 and verse 15. Now, I told you this last Sunday, I believe, and when I taught on Song of Solomon before, that it was talking there in Song of Solomon about Solomon, the king, becoming one subjectively with the Shulamite. And, and it's the same thing we're teaching here about the masculine and the feminine being joined together subjectively. Yes. Because Shulamite, that particular word, is the feminine aspect of Solomon. It's the feminine word of Solomon. So it represents Christ and, and the church becoming one experientially. It, it represents the oneness that we experience individually within our own lives. As we yield the left side... As we, as, we, as we yield the lower thoughts that try to tempt the left side, we yield them to the Christ mind, and the two are, are joined together. But notice what it says in Matthew 9, 15. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children, can the 
children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Well, the answer is no. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they mourn or shall they fast. Now, what is this talking This is talking about a winter season, if you will. It's talking about, yes, in the literal, you can apply it literally, but it's talking about a winter season. We don't necessarily like a winter season spiritually. That's the time that, you know, we probably are complaining and mourning and, you know, fasting and praying and doing all these things. You see, yeah, exactly. And that's really what this is talking about here. So, in other words, what happens in cosmology, in the constellations, is what is happening within us. Amen. As the answer is no, let me read it again. Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Well, they're going to mourn when they're in a winter season. They're going to complain. <laughs> they're going to have some issues. But when spring comes and summer, no, they don't mourn. They rejoice. There's a rejoicing that takes place. So as above, so below. As within, so without. What we see in natural marriages, what we see in cosmology, what we see in the different seasons, takes place within us spiritually. You go through all of those different seasons. Thank God, I believe this body as a whole has come more into the spring equinox, or the spring experience, and the winter, or the, the summer. That thunder got me off. We've come into more of a spring and a summer experience because... You know, the revelation that has been coming for a number of years, at least three years, and before then, too, has been exponential. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, amen. left and right, it's yes. just coming. Well, I think part of that is because we're also, cosmologically, we are in the age of Aquarius. Yes. Yes. We're in the age of Aquarius. And uh, I believe that the age of Aquarius, which means the age of enlightenment, mm -hmm. see, we went through Aries, Old Testament, and then Jesus' ministry, the age of Pisces, and now the age of Aquarius, which is enlightenment, and is also the time of the feminine, where we're seeing the importance of joining the feminine, yielding the feminine and joining the feminine yeah. to the masculine. Yeah. Now, if you look in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, Paul says something. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2, where he states what must happen between the right side of Christ's mind and the left sided feminine principle. He brings something out here. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, Paul says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Now, Paul ministered Christ, Paul ministered our ministry about the two being joined together. We'll see this from Genesis to Revelation if we see the scriptures properly and hear by spirit. So for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. How many know there's only one God, Father of all? There's only one husband. And we are one. We have been espoused. We have been married together. Objectively, we are one. There's no separation. Christ's mind is on the feminine or masculine side and the virgin consciousness is on the feminine side and the two are one objectively okay objectively so i'd espouse you to one husband that now listen that i may present you as a chaste virgin to christ so in other words we do not want our virgin consciousness to receive thoughts from the strange woman that i could take 
you to in Psalms and Proverbs and Jeremiah. But we want to yield the woman, we want to yield in the feminine principle to the masculine, to the Christ mind. And so then what do we become? When, when, when intercourse takes place between the masculine and the feminine and the sperma of God's word, the sperm of God's word is deposited into our virgin consciousness, we then become, as he says here, a chaste virgin. Revelation talks about a virgin company, a virgin people. What is that? That's a people that no longer intercourse with a strange woman, but they have relations with the masculine or with the Christ mind. And it's exactly what Jesus meant when he said, take no thought. Take no thought. What is taking no thought? Well, it's getting quiet. You can say it's turning within. It's taking no thought of the lower or those thoughts that would present themselves to your virgin consciousness. It's taking no thought. It's not allowing those. And how would you take thought? This is how you take thought. You're always going to have thoughts come to your woman. Yes, right. yes. It's always going to happen. Yes. But are you going to dwell on them? Yeah. That's taking thought. Yeah. See, So we don't want to take. And then it also says, take no thought saying. So not only would it be taking thought of the lower thoughts, but it would be even speaking them. Take no thought saying. See, So we must be a spouse to Christ, and we are. But let me just say this, it requires some discipline on our part to experience this subjectively. And how do we do it? Well, we turn within, we turn in meditation, we do the yielding that we need to do so that our virgin consciousness can be impregnated with the right seed. Yes. Now, if you go to 1 Peter 1 and verse 23, I know I gave these to you last week, but I explained them a little bit differently last week, so I'm gonna go at it in another direction tonight. But it's all one and the same. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. Now we all know that in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, what does Jesus talk to him about but about being born from above? In fact, Nicodemus said, how can you do these miracles except, you know, you be from above? And so what did Jesus say? Oh, you must be born again. In other words, you must have a Christ mind to make those statements to me. That's really what he was saying. Jesus wasn't giving him a rule. You've got to be born again, Brother Nick. He wasn't saying that to him at all. Nicodemus comes and says, God must be with you for you to do these miracles. Well, you must be born again, Nick. That's what he said to him. And really, what it really is, if you, if you look at, at it in the Greek, it's really, you must be born from above to even see that I have done these miracles too through turning within and only doing what I see the Father do. So look what it says here. So in the Aramaic, born again means what? Remembering your origin. Knowing your origin. Knowing that you came out of spirit. Knowing that spirit, soul, and body are all one and not divided. Knowing that your body is just as spirit as your spirit is spirit. So look what it says in 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again. Remembering your origin, knowing your origin, and notice, not a corruptible seed, because corruptible seed, you see, that presents itself to your woman that wants to conceive in your feminine principle, is that of separate, it's a seed of separation, yes. see? But you are born again, or you are remembering your origin, let me paraphrase a little bit, because of the incorruptible seed, 
seeing because of the incorruptible seed by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So to remember our origin is partaking of the incorruptible seed of the Christ mind of the right side or the seed of God, the word of God, or the sperm of the Father. The sperm, sperma is really the Greek word for the seed of the word of God. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about reality. We're not talking about corrupt religion whatsoever. But we are talking about a subjective experience that all of us can experience in the lovely here and now. Now, go back to Song of Solomon. This will be my text tonight. And we're going to go back and forth to a few other verses. But in Song of Solomon, chapter 4. In Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 11. This is a conversation now, even though it is depicted as a conversation between the Shulamite and the king. But it's a conversation that's going on on the inside of us. It's an ongoing conversation that's happening between our masculine principle and our feminine principle. So look what it says here in chapter 4, Song of Solomon, verse 11. Thy lips, O my spouse, drop. Now I said last week I wish they would use the word drip. Why? Simply because it's talking about honey. Honey drips from a honeycomb. Then just drop, it drips. Okay? Now I'm going to look at two aspects of this verse here. So thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb or drip. I'm going to put that in there as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. And the smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. Now, I shared with you last week how honey here to the ancients meant love and wisdom. And in this experience, we touch that incorruptible love, which is Christ of the right side, the mind of Christ. And we touch or we engage ourselves with the wisdom of the mind of Christ on the right side. And then what happens is once the two are subjectively joined together, then honey and milk drip spontaneously from our tongue. It's under our tongue. And it drips spontaneously. Nothing but love. Nothing but honey drips. And, and the ancients believed that honey was also heaven, depicted heaven and depicted Father God, the Father himself. And heaven itself, that's what the ancients saw milk and honey as, or specifically honey as. Now, hang on to Song of Solomon and go quickly to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. I'm going to give some definition to this milk and honey thing that we see. And we're going to see that it does not just involve the tongue. But let me ask you a silly question before I read there in Exodus. Where do you find your tongue? And don't say your mouth. <laughs> on your body yeah. on your body so the tongue is connected with the body yes. so what I see in this honey, milk and honey under our tongue or honey and milk as the order is under our tongue I see that as when the two are subjectively joined together the only thing that drips from our tongue is love and wisdom Amen. love and wisdom drips yes. Spontaneously from our tongue, but there's another aspect since the tongue is on the body. Now, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8, look what it says. And I am come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians. And of course, we know that it was Moses. What is the Egyptians allegorically? Lower thoughts. Okay? And to bring them up 
out of that land, listen, to a good land, to a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, beyond what I stated, there is a relationship which involves milk and honey that has to do with our, you know what I'm gonna say, pineal and pituitary, yes. because the tongue is on the body. Yes. So we're talking about salvation of the body. We're talking about not getting salvation of the body. We already have it. Yes. We know that, Ephesians yes. 1, 4, we were saved from before the foundation, 2 Timothy 1, 9, we were blameless from before the foundation, Ecclesiastes 7, 24, 27, 7, 27, wherever it is, says we came here upright. Yes. And the death, burial, and resurrection exposed the lies that we embraced from religion. We didn't get lies from being in Adam when we came here. No, no. We got lies when we embraced religion. Yes. And then the resurrection is the gathering of the faculties. And the resurrection is the discovery of spiritual truth. And so beyond our tongue dripping with wisdom and with love... This milk and honey under our tongue, since the tongue is a part of the body, can represent the energy fields being opened, right. us casting our energy to the right side, the energy beginning to flow, the energy fields opening up as wide as they can open up, Amen. the energy flowing, consuming Aries, as the sun does after the three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, consuming Aries, which is the burnt offering, and you are a living sacrifice unto the Lord, consuming or enveloping the pineal, and then going to the right, enveloping the pituitary, and we know that the pineal produces an oil that's a golden color, and we know that the, yes. pituit the pineal, the golden color, and the pituitary produces the oil that is of a milky-colored substance. So this milk and honey under our tongue, as the two are joined together subjectively, is we minister and we speak nothing but love and wisdom. It drips from us. But since the tongue is on the body, the milk and honey is also, as Israel was promised, and we know that those that were 20 years of age and younger, plus Joshua and Caleb, entered into the land flowing with milk and honey, and the land is our bodies experiencing the flow of milk and honey because of the activation of the pineal and the pituitary. Amen. And that's what's happening. And listen, it will happen spontaneously as we yield those lower thoughts and as the two subjectively become one, the left and the right side. So the allegory then of Exodus 3.8 is us experiencing. We're the land experiencing this land, this body flowing with the golden colored oil, flowing with the milky colored oil. And what does it do? Well, I could take you back to Malachi where it talks about the sun, S-U-N of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Yeah. I could take you to Exodus 32 where Jacob sees the father face to face and his life was preserved. Something happened in his physical body. Yes. So if we want our bodies, our life preserved, here's the key. Yeah. I point to the chart over there, but <laughs> those on the Facebook Live have watched this so many times, they know that I point to my mid-belief <laughs> chart over here. Yes. Now, go back to Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 11 again. And notice what it says here. We are the ones. This is the intimacy now, and this is part of the title. What is true intimacy? It's 
not just in our spirit, although that's great. It's not just in our feminine, that's great. But it also includes our physical body. And I don't know anyone that would not want to experience here and everywhere, even in the religious, corrupt, you know, religious teaching. I don't know of anyone that would say, no, I don't want to experience that. I mean, if you still believe you're going to experience it when you fly and die, or fly or die, <laughs> wouldn't you want to experience a little bit of it on your way there? <laughs> I would think so. But see, it's not just for then. It's for now. Yeah. It's for now. It's for any people. And see, this is what I believe Romans 8 is talking about, where it talks about, you know, the whole creation is on tiptoe, looking, looking, looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. For people that are not just talking it, but walking it subjectively, and they have that fruit that remains. That's fruit that remains. That's the greater works that Jesus said that we were going to experience. It's not greater miracles. It's not greater signs, because we are the sign. We are the wonder. We are the miracle. It's the sign, the wonder, and the miracle experiencing what we're talking about here. It's all the way through the scriptures. Now, Psalm of Solomon 4.11. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. So that's an intimacy there. Now, milk in the natural is an expression of life. When a mother nurses the child, it is known by medical science that every known nutrient is in the colostrum. And the brain makes that, actually. The brain makes that. And that child will have a better uh, start in life yes. by being nursed rather than just being on formula. And I know sometimes people can't do that, but I'm just saying in the natural, milk speaks of life. And I said last week, you know, some people, when something happens in their life, they'll say, oh, holy cow. Why do they say holy cow? If people say that, or you have just probably said it, you say holy cow. Because a cow, and you know, in, in some nations, they won't eat cows because they're sacred to them and they worship them. They don't understand what I'm talking about here. But why is a cow holy? Why would a cow be holy? Because a cow takes, it eats from the earth, the grass, transmutes it into the milk, which is life. And that's where that, that saying, holy cow, began. <laughs> People start saying, holy cow. See, now listen, we do the same thing as the two are joined together. As we are in this earth, but we're partaking of heaven, because we're in the world, but not of it. We're partaking of earth, and we're partaking of the left side, the feminine part, which is also called earth. But we're also partaking of heaven and joining the two together subjectively. You see, and so that is what makes us holy in our subjective walk. We we're holy before, but that makes us not a cow, but holy <laughs> in our subjective walk. You see, see, you have to fit all this together. Now, the tongue, the tongue, as it says, that the milk and honey are under the tongue denotes the expression, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It represents the expression of the higher realm. As I said, the honey is wisdom and love, and the milk of the earth, or the left side, our tongue, see the left side part of the tongue is the body, so our left side is also the earth, or is the milk, you could say. It's the feminine. It's the feminine. It nourishes us. The left side will nourish us when it's used properly, you see. So as we begin to see that, we begin to see that the milk and honey under our tongue causes the expression of the truth 
But then the milk and the honey flowing in these lands represents the energy flowing in our physical anatomy and the pituitary and the pineal being consumed or being enveloped in the energy that flows within us. Yeah. It all flows together. Now, look at the last part of, of uh, Solomon, Song of Solomon 4, 11. And the smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. Now, Lebanon happens to mean white and pure, which would denote our virgin consciousness on the left side. And the garments, we know that Paul said, put on the mind of Christ. And what does it mean? Slip into like you slip into a garment. And once we slip into the garment, there's a smell about us. Scripture talks about us becoming a sweet-smelling savor, you see, because the two are joined subjectively together. And then in Jeremiah 48, 11, it talks about a people whose scent was not changed. The smell was not changed. Why? because they were not poured out from vessel to vessel. What does that mean they were not poured out from vessel to vessel? They were satisfied with the status quo of religiosity. Wow. They were not poured out, they were satisfied. They didn't go from realm to realm in glory to glory in their understanding. Wow. And so they had a stench to them. Religion stinks, right? Yes. Corrupt religion stinks, doesn't smell too well. But scripture talks about us having that smell, the sweet smelling savor, simply because. And then it also says uh, they were not they were not emptied from vessel to vessel, but they settled on their lees. What does that mean? They just stayed where they were. They they were content where they were. They didn't want to continue on. I have a place I'm going to be going. I'm not going to mention it in uh, in October, and. Uh, uh, the pastor of the church called me up and talked to me. And he, uh, they evidently talked about, you know, a few of us going over to minister. And uh, well, one lady spoke up, I guess, and said, well, I don't want to learn anything new. I just want an impartation. How sad. Yeah. And how many people are out there? They don't want to learn anything new. And the thing that I think has called that, caused that dwarfism in them, uh, you know, where they don't desire to learn anything new or to go on is the rapture of the church because listen, he's gonna come back on a white horse and swoop us out of here and everything is gonna be okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. The earth has been given to the sons of men. We're the ones that are to, if you wanna say kick booty, we're the ones with the truth, with the word of God, not in a fighting way, but by speaking the truth. Now, hang on to Song of Solomon, because we're going to go back there, but go to Isaiah 61 and verse 3. Isaiah 61 and verse 3. And let's look a little bit more about the garment. So, Song of Solomon uh, 4, 11 said, The smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. In other words, there's a purer smell. There's a purer smell. There's, you know, to the pure, all things are pure. And when we're living out of the mind of Christ and have yielded the left side, there's a, that's, that, that's slipping into the garment of the Christ mind, and there's a, there's a smell. There's a beautiful smell to that. Now, in Isaiah 61 and verse 3, look what it says here about the garment. It says, to appoint unto them that mourn. Now, why are they mourning in Zion? Well, they're in a winter season of their life spiritually. We read it back in Matthew. To give unto them beauty for ashes. Got some ashes going on there. The oil of joy for mourning. And notice, if you're in a winter.
winter season and you're mourning and complaining and it, you, you don't sense the presence of the Lord consciously in your life, then what you need is the garment. Slip into the Christ line of the right side, the garment of praise. And you know one of the meanings of praise is that we come to the, we seek for the understanding of truth. That's one of the meanings of praise. See, And then worship is to be able to speak it. Have that milk and honey under your tongue and speak it. See, praise is not just singing praises and we praise God. It's that. But it's more than that. It's to intently desire the truth. So you get the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called the trees of righteousness. I mean, literally, subjectively, walking in this righteousness, as this righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified, that we would glorify him in our earth, not just in our spirit or not just in our soul realm or our heart awareness, but even in our bodies. Amen. So there's that garment, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, where do you get a spirit of heaviness? Well, you can get it from the winter season, and the winter season can be connected to the lower thoughts. Yeah. There's heaviness with the lower right. thoughts. Right. When you have, let's say, for example, a diagnosis, and it doesn't look very well. And you have all these thoughts coming from the five senses. You have them coming from just mere intellect. Well, the doctor said da 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 Or from human reasoning or logic. You're trying to figure it out. That's a spirit of heaviness. That's heavy. See? But when you join, yield that and join the two together, there's a lightness that comes. There's a lightness that comes. And the smell of thy garment, as Song of Solomon 4.11 says, the garment, once again, is what produces that sweet-smelling savor because we have slipped into the Christ mind. We slipped into that garment. We haven't been satisfied with where we've been. Right. We want to keep, keep moving on. I'm not satisfied. I don't know about y'all. I don't think you are. You wouldn't be here. I want to move on. And when you think about it, just think about it. Our Father who is unlimited, how could we limit any of the truth and the revelation right. when we have to do with an unlimited Father? Right. And that Father and that Christ is in us in an unlimited way. How could we stop? Right. Right. Well, just from a lack of understanding. Yeah. Now, back to Song of Solomon 4, verse 12. Now, this is what we are if we have not slipped into the garment of the Christ mind, if we have not yielded the lower thoughts, specifically our intellect and, and logic and, and reason, if we have not joined the two together by yielding the left side to the right side, if we have not had the intercourse of the sperma of the word into our virgin consciousness on the left side, then this is what we are right now. In Song of Solomon 4 and verse 12, this is what this woman was here in, you know, Song of Solomon, the Shulamite, because she did not have the subjective experience of the oneness with the king, with Solomon, with the king. So notice there, she was a garden enclosed. And notice it says there, verse 12, Song of Solomon 4, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up. A fountain sealed. Now, your sister's your left side. But that sister, as it is yielded, when it's tempted by the lower thought, as it is yielded, it becomes the spouse. 
subjectively. So listen, the sister, your left side, must be lifted up to the divine realm of the bridegroom, and then she becomes the spouse, or she becomes the wife, and they are subjectively joined. But up until then, she's, as it says here, a garden enclosed. She has to be opened up. Yeah, amen. She's a spring shut up. Yeah. She has to be opened up. Yeah. She's a fountain sealed. She has to be opened up. And how is that going to happen? She has to yield to the right. Yeah. She has to cast her energy to the right side. Yeah. And the seed, the sperma, has got to penetrate the virgin consciousness. There has to be that intercourse of yeah. the left side with the right side. Amen. And let me just say this in passing. won't cost you any more. you got to do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be like Jacob. He was left alone, and he wrestled with the message. And once he quit fighting with the message, and he just yielded to the right side, he saw light. He saw God who is light face to face, and he realized he's the same light as the light that he saw. And the two were joined together. So my point is, we must do this alone. And listen, this is what Jesus meant. And so many people get confused where he said, you got to hate your mother, hate your father, your children, blah, 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 your wife, your husband, whatever. He didn't mean hate. He meant not put that first That's and right. foremost Amen. in your life spiritually. You've got to walk this walk. If you want to call it a journey, have at it. But it's, you, you got to walk it alone mm-hmm. yeah. and go from sister to spouse. Amen. And this is the experience, listen, of being at the right hand of the Father. Jesus was at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because he never did anything but what he saw the Father do. Never said anything but what he heard the Father say. So therefore, he was at the right of the Father. He always cast his nut, his energy, to the right side. And as a result, he got a mother load of wisdom every time he did it in the same way with us. So that's very important. Now, in Genesis 2a, and I'm not going to turn there, it says there that the Lord planted a garden eastward. What is the right side? Well, it's the east. And what does Eden mean? Well, it means delight. It's oneness. It's delight. That's what the east is. So the garden, the right side, is on the east side. Remember, Judah was on the east side. And every time you look north, east is what? On your right side, you see. But you see, the sad fact is that many, many people still do not, they only use 10% of their brain. They never use the 90%. So what are we trying to do? What are we desiring to do? Take the 90% and have it planted into the brain. The brain has a part physical brain has a part in this but as they say we only use 10 percent and that may have changed a little by now probably not but we have to give our tithe we have to give up our tithe we have to give up that 10 percent that we thought was just money and as we do what's going to happen we're going to use the we're going to be tapping into the 90 percent and then it's going to be 100 percent I think this is awesome stuff. And and the more I get into the scriptures, let me say it this way. It's not even the more I get into the scriptures. It's the more I tap into that word that has been written upon my heart, the tablets of my heart and my mind. And what do I mean by that? My mind, the mind of Christ on the right side, and the virgin consciousness on the left side. The more I tap into that, the more, listen, the more I am going to experience what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then the Bible, the scriptures, just come along to confirm it. Amen. But we got to move beyond just the literalism of it. Yes. I'm not throwing the literalism out. I'm saying that we need to move beyond just looking at it literally. That'll get us in trouble. It'll cause all kind of arguments and fights with people. Forget it. Yeah. What good does that do for us just to know the Bible from cover to cover, know all the literal stories? Yeah. But when I begin to want to understand how they affect me and how I can walk in those in a positive way, it yeah. makes it's a whole different game. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's, we're, we're, it's a new ball game. Yeah. It's a new day, and it's a new experience, and it's a new way. Amen. Now, go hang on to Song of Solomon. Go back to Isaiah 45 in verse 3, and I'm almost finished here. Isaiah 45 and verse 3, and we're going to see here what is revealed as we desire this subjective experience. What is going to happen? I mean, we've talked about a lot of things that's going to happen but there's something here that I want us to see in Isaiah 45 that is really going to begin to happen and I used to look at this verse and just I know how it was taught in finished work and I, I don't take away from that you know we, we taught that the death you know is what did certain things in our life caused you know God to look at us differently no caused us to look, look differently at the father because yes. God didn't the father didn't need the blood you see. And we were told it made us righteous. Well, no, it didn't. It revealed our righteousness. Yeah. You know, I think Candy used the uh, verse last week about, he said that he came that, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And made means to conceive something that's already mm -hmm. true of you yeah. in your awareness. Mm -hmm. You see. So Jesus didn't go to the cross in his death, burial, resurrection to make us somebody we weren't. He came to reveal who we always had been. What clarity we see now concerning the death, burial, or resurrection. I mean, that's a real clarity right there. And once you see it, you can't unsee it, folks. You can't unsee it once you see it. Now, Isaiah 45, 3. It says here, and I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Whoa. And hidden riches of secret places that thou mayst know, not just have faith, mm -hmm. not just believe. Well, let me say this, believing is on the left side. Believing is on the left side. But I want to know that's on the right side. Yes. That's when the two are joined. Amen. That I, listen, that thou mayst know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, the treasures of darkness, and this is why I said before when we started the series at the beginning, the best time to meditate is in the darkness. Before you go to bed at night, when it's dark. Why? Because that causes the pineal to get the melatonin <clears throat> to flow. And we know that melatonin does a whole lot of things. Kills cancer cells, reverses the aging process. I love that one. Balances the circadian rhythm. There's a whole lot of things. They're saying now it has some uh, properties, medicinal properties that will uh, get rid of heart blockages. There's a lot of things they're finding out more and more about the melatonin. But the best time to meditate would be in, in a dark room, <laughs> even during the day if you, you know, go into a dark room. And as you meditate, and I believe that's, that's a part of meditation where it talks about he'll give the, the treasures of darkness and... 
rewards, the treasures that you're going to get out of meditation in the darkness or turning within. Yes. See, there's a scripture, I can't even think how it goes, but it talks about God being in the darkness. Where is he? He's in us in the darkness. Amen. So when we turn within, we're turning into the darkness. And there's treasures in darkness and hidden riches of secret places that we might know. I want to know him. Yes. Paul said that. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know him. So the treasures of darkness can be what we get out of this meditation in the darkness where it says here that things that are hidden within us, written upon the tablets of our heart and our mind, are going to be revealed to us. They're going to be quickened to us. They're going to be conceived within us yes. so that we can birth the Christ out of our life. Yes. You see? And I've shared with you before, once we know, once we come to the place of knowing, we then become the true Jew that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 2. Why? Because the true Jew is one that has circumcised their heart they have circumcision of the heart and the mind, and they draw from the Christ mind. They yes. yield the left side, and they draw from the Christ yes. mind. He said, that is the true Jew whose praise is not of men, but Amen. praises of God, Amen. of the Father. And then Israel, we know I-S is what? Masculine. R-A is feminine. Joining the two together, you experience E-L, the power of God. Yes. And it's where we come to know that we know that we know. Amen. Now, go back to Song of Solomon, chapter 4. And verse 12, when this garden that has been sealed up, and this fountain that has been sealed, and the, and the uh, water that has been, you know, dammed up and not opened, when that begins to flow, it flows as a result of the two being joined together. And I could really say it this way. When you take no thought, what you're doing is you're going from beta to alpha to theta to delta. Now, what happens in all of those beta, alpha, theta, delta, what happens? Your thoughts begin to get slower and slower. Mm -hmm. yes. I mean, when you hit delta, you're gone. <laughs> you're gone. But theta is a good place to be. And I, don't, I didn't write down the numbers on my notes here uh, of the, uh, the uh, second, uh, thoughts per second that you have in beta, alpha, theta, and delta. But I know that by the time you get to theta, they've really slowed down. You're taking no thought. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts, you've entered into a rest, and you're not thinking out of the intellect. You're not thinking out of your human reasoning or your, or your natural logic, but your thoughts are slow to you're at rest. You're resting, and that's what we desire. We're to rest in who he is in, through, and as us. Now, look at uh, Song of Solomon again in closing, verse 13. Thy plants are an orchard of pomegranates. Now, why pomegranates? What's the significance of pomegranates? Well, in a pomegranate, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of seeds, you see. And as masculine and feminine are joined, there are many seed thoughts that are involved. Many seed thoughts that are involved. And as I said when I started, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. As a husband and wife are involved in intimacy, what is involved primarily in that intimacy is their bodies. It's their bodies that are involved. And if one of those seeds hits one of the eggs of the woman, guess what? Nine months later, there's going to be a little bambino come forth. There's going to be, and the same way as in the natural, so in the spiritual in us. As the two are joined together because we've yielded the lower thoughts, and we've even taken the dark thoughts, and we've 
Remember Paul said, mortify and crucify them. And what did I say about that? How do we do that in grace? We just don't feed them. We starve them. Still by drawing from the Christ mind. Now look what it goes on to say. With pleasant fruits, camphor. Now, the camphor, if you Google that, it is known as a flower crystal. And did you know that you have seven million crystal magnets in your head? Seven million. In fact, your body is full of crystals. And I remember years ago, and I've taught this probably five times here, the terrible crystal was Ezekiel 122, and it's the Christ mind. See? Crystals. Your ears have crystals. Your whole body has crystals and magnets. In fact, you're an electrical being. You're an electrical appliance. I may teach that soon. You're an electrical appliance, and you're energy. That's what we are. You know, they do an encephaliogram, electrocephalogram. How do you say it? Electrocephalogram, cephalogram, electrocephalogram. I think that's it. What is it? They're measuring the electrical input and output of your brain. Your brain operates on neuron firings. It's electrical. So all of these things represent all of that. See, we need to see, if we would lay ourselves on the tabernacle, Guess where our head would be? In the most holy place. Our feet would be where? Out in the outer court. Right? Our chest would be in the holy place dimension. But our head, and so therefore, what am I saying? Where did God meet with the children of Israel? He said, I'll meet with you above the mercy seat between the cherubim, which is our cerebrum. Yes. If you didn't have a head and a brain, you could not experience anything of the Father. Or the presence of the Lord. Anyhow, I didn't mean to get off all of that. Verse 14, listen to what it says. Spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and alloys, with all of the chief spices. Now, all of these allegorically that are mentioned in verse 14 denote what goes on within us from the base of the spine to the pineal and to the pituitary as we experience our land flowing with milk and honey. All kind of spices going on in there, which are allegorically, allegorically, or allegoric, allegoric essence of allegoric essence, if I can talk right tonight. I'm so excited. You see what you guys do to me? You mess me up all the time. But all this is going on on the inside of us as we what? As we yield. And as we allow the Christ mind to... To, uh, and listen, this is our harpazo. That's your rapture right there. That's your rapture right there. Being loved with a love embrace. And letting that honey drip off of the honeycomb that you are spontaneously. Yeah. Verse 15, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. See, all of this is within us. It's a pure intercourse of the right and to the left producing the fountain of living waters. And isn't that what the scripture says? Out of our belly shall flow all spices, rivers of living water, all of these spices. Yeah. I remember when we used to go to, uh, uh, it was Justin Phillips, a church um, a number of years ago, and, and minister there at his conferences. And they would always say, you all brought all your spices, all different flavors and all of your spices. And all of these spices are in us. You may be one spice, me another spice, someone else another spice, but they're all collectively working on the inside of us. And then verse 16, awake, O north wind, 
and come thou south. Now, what this is saying is that we must awake both physically and emotionally. Physically, remember, was the south. It was Reuben, the physical, the five senses. And remember, Dan was north. If you go to Numbers chapter 2, Dan was on the north on our chart, which is the emotions. And once you, listen, once you bring the emotions and the five senses and yield them, you're on your way. Those are the hardest ones. You've got to bring the five senses, because they can scream very loudly at you. And you've got to bring the emotions, oh, they can sash you around like nobody's business. Yeah. Feelings. Yeah. Feelings. So, awake, O north wind, and come, thou south. And the rest of it says that the spices, therefore, may flow out. In other words, bring the emotional, bring the physical, the two hardest ones, into the garden of meditation so that the beauty of Christ can flow out and you're no longer a garden enclosed. Amen. You're gushing. Amen. You're a fountain gushing with the truth. Amen. Then it goes on to say, let my beloved come into his garden and eat, listen, eat his pleasant fruit. So let us come into the garden of Eden, into this harmony, and allow the bridegroom to come into the place of his delight, which is us. And listen, once we eat of him, because, you know, most teaching is, oh, you got to eat of him, you got to eat of him. A lot of this is we eat of him. We eat of the Christ mind. We eat of the truth. But you know what? Once the two are joined together subjectively, guess what? He eats of us. Wow. He eats of us. Amen. He gets his inheritance. Remember, in the book of Joshua, they had to conquer all these cities. And once they conquered all the cities, then they gave one to Joshua that represents Christ. See? The only way our Father can experience what he experiences in this earth is through a people yep. that have joined the two together yes. subjectively. Amen. That have yielded the left when they needed to yield the left and have pulled on the right or have cast their net to the left side just as Jesus came to the guys that caught no fish all night, they'd fished all night, never caught a thing. He said, well, boys, cast your net to the left side. And they caught 153 fish, and 1 plus 5 plus 3 is 9, which is the number of consciousness. So that's what we need to do. We need to cast our net to the right side. And as we do, we eat of his wisdom, of his milk, of his honey, and then he begins, he delights in us, and he begins to eat of us and experience us in the earth. Wherever we go, whatever we do, that comes out of that joining, subjective joining, God then gets to, the Father gets to experience that. Amen. 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 So I hope you enjoyed this. Yes. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your love, for who you are as us. Thank you, Father, for all that you've deposited on the inside of us. Letting us know that we lack absolutely nothing we're equipped with all things to be able to experience the subjective joining of the masculine and the feminine. We thank you. We thank you for this body. Thank you for those that are listening via Facebook Live today. Let there be a conception within the womb, our virgin womb, yes. our virgin consciousness, that there can be the birthing and the outflow of the Christ. We bless you. We honor you. In the name of the Lord, amen. Amen.